When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here, the other 50% of the podcast. Kyle, my guy, what is going on? Nothing much, man. Just chilling in the cut. Ready to get to this episode. Yeah. Lord knows we had a lot going on in the NBA for the last, what, 48, 72 hours? Fucking crazy. Yes, sir. So we'll do a uh, we'll do a quick preview of the Eastern Conference. We do have all of the seeds, one through eight, finalized in the Eastern Conference playoffs. We had the Wizards just absolutely demolish the Pacers in the last game in the last game of the play-in tournament. So the Wizards get that last spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. We'll dive into that in a little bit. We'll also kind of recap some of the, the highlights that we didn't necessarily get to talk about in the last couple of days. I know Kevin definitely wanted to touch on Jason Tatum dropping 50 points the other day on the Washington Wizards. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I did do a video earlier today talking about the Lakers Warriors game last night. I imagine Kev probably wants to do some quick hits on that. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Then we'll transition into baseball for a little bit. Basically, this is just going to be like a weekly thing with Kev, I think is just He's going to have his moment talking about the Yankees, just where they currently stand. You know, is he confident about the team? Is he frustrated or worried about the team? So he'll have his moment to kind of spout off everything Yankees towards the uh, the latter part of the episode. And then really to wrap up the last part of the episode, since the NBA playoffs do start this weekend, Kevin and I are going to talk about our most memorable NBA playoff moments. So I know Kev, if I had to guess, it has probably something to do with the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe just throwing it out there. Maybe imagine mine is probably something about the Lakers, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But first things first, let's dive into the Eastern Conference. Like I said at the top of the episode, we do have all eight seeds finalized for the playoffs. So just to kind of give a quick rundown of the matchups. So when the one eight matchup we got the philadelphia 76ers going up against the washington wizards we have the brooklyn nets going up against the celtics that's the two versus the seven series for the three and the six we get the bucks at the three seed they will be playing the miami heat and then the four or five matchup which i imagine kev's probably keeping his eyes glued to that one will be the new york knicks versus the atlanta hawks so kev let me just get your first impression of what you think this Eastern conference setup is currently. Um, I think that each individual team, the way that they ended the season, um, including the plan, uh, I think they're all poised to be great series. Obviously uh, I think that Philly absolutely annihilates uh, Washington. I just think Philly's better suited. Uh, I think that ends up, you know, being a quick one. 
The Brooklyn-Boston series, it really depends because we all know Brooklyn has a historically great offense, but they have just as bad of a defense. And, you know, um, that potentially could end up going maybe like six. I don't know. Uh, the three, my, my eyes are glued particularly to the three and the six. Miami just particularly has Milwaukee's number. I genuinely think, yes, Miami has not played very well as of late in terms of ending the season. But we all saw what happened last year. Playoff Jimmy is a, is a different mode. The man is locked in. The Heat posted a picture, or Jimmy Butler posted a picture today of him, like, dribbling or, like, him holding the ball. And he was just absolutely just shredded. And he was, like, playoff mode, activate, whatever. I think that the Heat are going to beat and upset the Bucks. That's my prediction. Um, I think that the four and the five matchup is a very good matchup. I know that the Knicks beat them in the total regular season series, but – Atlanta hasn't been in the postseason in some time. Obviously, the explosiveness of Trey Young is you can have him drop 40 or 50 any given night with his ability to stretch the floor. And then obviously you have the the Knicks resurgence of just dominating the league this year. Um, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and a lot of other players just really stepping up. Derrick Rose actually was announced to be a finalist for the six men of the year award. Um, so I think, like I said, the Eastern Conference playoffs, they they are intriguing. I think that Boston has the potential to maybe get a game from Brooklyn. I know that we literally shitted on them maybe what Tuesday night or one Monday night. And we just genuinely thought that they were not going to be able to do anything possible. Mm -hmm. Granted Boston, I mean, uh, Washington is not Brooklyn. So I don't think it's going to be as simple uh, for Jason to go and drop 50, but if the potential is there, maybe Kemba and, and Jason had a little taste, a little warm up to maybe they can do something. Um, but we'll see what happens. And then obviously, you know, like I said, Washington and Philly, I think Philly's just a very dominant team. We have a finalist in the MVP race, Joel Embiid there, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons. So it's just, I think if Russell and Bradley can maybe muster up, I don't know, 50, 60 together, maybe they can get a game. But I mean, I just, I think Philly gets a, gets a sweep or a gentleman sweep. They're just a very good team. But overall the Eastern conference playoffs, thankfully they are set. And I am very happy um, since we're on that topic. I just want to give a huge shout out to Jason Tatum for dropping 50 against uh, the Wizards the other night. Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, Kyle and I were talking about it prior to the episode. We, along with Shannon Sharp and some other analysts, said it, it's going to take Jason to drop 50 points for them to go out and beat the combination of Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And uh, overall, Russell Westbrook did not have a, a terrific shooting night. Um, neither did Bradley. And Jason just took advantage at the free throw line. He had 17 free throws. Kemba Walker dropped 29 points, obviously, a Bronx native out here doing his thing. You feel me? We out here. Um, but, I mean, it, it's just, I, like I said, I just wanted to give a quick kudos because it ain't easy to drop 50 in a regular game. But in a, in a, in a winner go home or a win and, you know, you're, you're locked into a position of you're definitely going to make the postseason. Jason just went out there and stepped up. He's been doing it all season long. Um, he's just probably one of the best up-and-coming players under 25 and it's just I cannot wait to see this man continue to grow and prosper again I'm not the biggest Boston fan but Jason just is on another level and his confidence after he worked out with Kobe a couple of off seasons ago it's just it's just been different ever since then and I think he really is kicking into gear realizing he can dominate a lot of his matchups and he's you, you can see that mama mentality kind of kicking into him now and it's kicking in at a really young age and that's good for Boston. So, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that Boston is able to give Brooklyn a run for their money, you know, so Brooklyn can get off that high horse and stop thinking that they're the greatest team in the world. Um, 
but yeah, that, 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 that pretty much right rant on the Eastern Conference. I just really wanted to go out there and say what I needed to for Jason. I mean, when I look at the setup in the Eastern Conference right now, I think these are going to be pretty straightforward series. I'll take the one versus eight series just at the top real quick. I think the 76ers, like you said, they're pretty much going to either get this in a sweep or get this by five games. I just, I don't know who's going to be able to stop Joel. Joel's going to be an absolute nightmare down low. And I just don't think Washington's going to be really prepared for just his overall intensity. And also Ben Simmons is going to be a focal piece for that defense for Philly. And I don't know who's going to be necessarily matched up one-on-one with, but whoever he's matched up against, I think is going to have a tough time to be able to score because Ben is one of the best defenders in the league currently. Doesn't Ben run the one for Philly? So wouldn't he be matched up on Russell more than likely? That's what I would think off the top of my head. They may put him on Bradley, maybe just because that Bradley could be the hotter shooter. But yeah, and then we'll probably put Seth on probably Russell or something like that. But because Ben is we'll Ben is six eight, and Ben yeah, could, Ben's a big boy. Ben could at least you know try to slow down Bradley. I know Bradley's still kind of hindered by that. Didn't he have a hamstring yeah, injury? Yeah, yeah so, hammy, bro. It's no joke. Because it looked like in that game against the Celtics the other day, he definitely looked like he was trying to get his legs underneath him. It's just you know, he missed a couple games. Just he wasn't really in rhythm. But I think that matchup between with that possible matchup between Ben and Bradley Bill is going to be an interesting one to see. But like you said, I think that series is going to be wrapped up fairly quickly. The The Nets and the Celtics, I think, is going to be a fun matchup simply just because the Nets' offense is spectacular, like you said. It's just their defense is atrocious. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Celtics get a game here because if Jason just decides to go off and just say, you know what, I'm just going to light it up like I did against the Wizards the other day. It wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past Jason to drop another, you know, 40, 50 points against this team. Because I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know who the Nets are gonna really put him defensively or put him defensively put KD, against you gotta them. put KD on him. You don't have to. I mean, if that's the case, that's gonna be a tough matchup for Jason, just because that KD is six eleven and granted he's not really what I would consider like the best like post up defender, but you know. It's still tough to shoot over KD. Like I kind of yeah. have to give KD respect on that, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in Boston's ability to really run with Brooklyn. I I say yeah. that that series gets wrapped up in five. Um, when I look at the the Bucks and Heat series, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you here. I really think that the Bucks are gonna win this series. I think it's gonna be a close series. I think the Bucks are gonna wrap this up. I want to say seven, but I'm going to be a little bit bold here. I think they wrap it up in six. I'm going to be a little. Seven. I'm going to be a little bold here. Um, I want to see how the Bucks can adjust if Miami's really tough on Giannis, because it's been noted the last couple seasons, especially in the playoffs, that if the if the opposing team is able to lock down Giannis, they really haven't been able to get decent scoring outside of him. Chris Middleton's been inconsistent. I know he had that one game when Giannis got hurt last year, and then Chris really stepped up. I think he ended up dropping like 35, 40 points. I think it was in game four, game five. I don't even remember. It, 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 it kept them from the sweep, so it had to have been four. I think it was game four. So, granted, they do have Drew Holiday now. So, I do like his 
his ability to score and to play solid defense. So I don't know if he's going to be matched up against Jimmy. I would probably think that he's probably their best backcourt defender. So they might match up up on Jimmy. Definitely, yeah, maybe. Uh, he's a little small. He's though, a little. He's like, isn't Jimmy like six five? Yeah, they may. They may give. I'm just saying, if Drew end up, ends up getting that defensive assignment, they're probably going to have help on the backside just to make sure um, I would assume so. that he's that he's not just destroyed by Jimmy. But that is going to probably be a very fun series to watch. I, I I may be out on a limb on this one with saying that the Bucks are going to wrap this up in six, but. I think that series has the potential to go seven. Now with the Knicks and the Hawks, I'm just going to ride the wave on this one. And I'm just saying the Knicks are going to get this one. I think they're going to wrap it up in six. Um, The reason why is the Knicks defense. The Knicks have a fantastic defense. And when you look at this team, Julius Randle has been having a sensational year. Derek Rose is having, the closest thing that I could really say to like a vintage Rose season, just because he does, he's not like going out and, you know, doing what he used to do in his early Chicago days, but he's playing consistent basketball and he's giving this team the veteran leadership that it needs and going into the playoffs. That's huge. So I think that they wrap this one up in six. I do think the Hawks are definitely going to get a game or two here. I'm not going to be as bold as you saying that they're going to wrap this up in five, but, if I had to put money on it just as a safe bet, I think they wrap this up in six. I think the Knicks are hungry, bro. The Knicks are like scary hungry. The, the, like the Knicks are young. Interviews, bro. I know that they want some of this. I want. I know they want the smoke with the Nets, bro. I'm telling you, I know man, they want the smoke with that, the Nets. If that if that matchup comes to fruition, holy shit, is the city going to erupt? We've said that already. We've said multiple times. But the next round, though, like to go to the conference finals where the Knicks haven't been in the playoffs in eight years, if they match up at all at any significance, like importance, it's going to be even better. First of all, I'm sorry to cut you off. Hmm? The Knicks sold out their postseason already. They, they, they're done. Their tickets are sold out. They're, hmm. they're, it's over. You have James Harden here saying he'll pay for half their tickets. Brooklyn is so desperate to sell tickets. They need players to go out there, basically beg people to. to are you kidding me? But the Knicks sold out like in, in like an hour. The Nets are literally offering players be like, "Yo, I'll pay for half your ticket. Use code hard." And like, <laughs> to me, if that does not signify that the Nets have no real fans, I don't know what does. Because yo, everybody in the city want to go to the Garden, bro. It's gonna be lit. It's gonna be so. Like, I wish I was home, bro. I really do. Well, I'll tell you this. If the Heat end up beating the Bucks, and the Miami's going to erupt. Well, no, 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 no. You, let me finish. If the if the Heat beat the Bucks, and the Sixers win, meaning the, if they beat the Wizards, the 76ers would go up against the Heat in round two. And if the Nets win their series and the Knicks win theirs, there you go. The Nets would play the Knicks in round two. So it could happen. It could really happen. So. I would say keep your fingers crossed. I'm saying for you specifically uh, to for the Heat to win that series against the Bucks, and I do think that they are well equipped to at least compete with the Bucks. Even though that I said the Bucks are going to win in six, but I know that I would be very intrigued to watch a Knicks versus Nets second round matchup. I'd definitely say that. 
so hyped, so hyped. But anyway, as you were saying, my apologies. No, that was that was pretty much it. That was the point that I was gonna make that the uh, the city would just be absolutely electric if they end up playing in the second half in the second round of the playoffs. I would, like I said, I'd be glued to my TV just for that because I know the city's the city could really use that type of electricity. Yeah, yeah, it really could. So big time. But I mean, just looking at these top eighteen, there's gonna be some really good games here, and I'm I'm definitely interested to see how these games play out. Um, I guess, I mean, do you want to talk about the Western Conference? I know that we talked about, I, I talked about the um, the playing game yesterday between the Lakers and the Warriors. But, you know, do you have anything to, to say, anything about the game last night or just anything about the, just the potential matchup that we have um, with the, uh, not the potential matchup, the matchup between the Warriors and the Grizzlies going into tomorrow. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll touch on it a little bit. I know you were able to get an episode out there this morning. Very grateful that you were able to do that. It was a little out of commission today. Had a little, some, some issues this morning to say the least. Um, And I just wanted to talk about the game last night really quick. I thought that that was probably one of the better games of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Golden State started off really hot and going into halftime up 13. Um, and then the second half, the Lakers literally flipped the script and they were able to lock up Golden State. And I mean, they forced a lot of turnovers. Golden State had 20 turnovers as a team. Mm-hmm. And the majority of those were in the second half, man. Like, like Kyle already talked about, Steph and Draymond each had six, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I didn't I didn't not believe my co-host guys. I just I was in shock that the number was that high. I knew that they both had a, a good amount. But like, bro, that 12 between two players, two of your primary ball carriers, too. Like, that's. That's a lot, dude. That's more than half. So I'm just, you know, if Golden State plans on beating Memphis, who came out really good last night as well, um, they're 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 gonna need to play serious. They should have had this game. Uh, Braun, AD, and Schroeder, they did not have a good first half. Obviously, you can see Braun is still hindering on a minute restriction uh, by the Lakers to make sure that that ankle is okay. And now that they do, now that they did solidify the seven seed, Braun will get a couple of days off. So that's mm-hmm. good. Um, AD struggled early. Uh, he just, he, he, it looked like he was forcing a lot of jump shots. He wasn't taking advantage of his matchup uh, back to the basket wise. I felt that Draymond really got in his head early. Um, Draymond was playing some elite defense. Granted, Draymond, again, he had those six turnovers and he had five fouls, but he only had two points. So it's like Draymond did not do anything on the offensive end other than rebound and, and you know, dish out passes. Mm-hmm. He did have three blocks. He did have three steals. So he did do his thing where it was required. But I have to give credit where credit is due right now. Andrew Wiggins, 21 points last night. We've been kind of shitting on him for his inconsistencies all year, along with Kelly Oubre, who did not play due to injury. But Andrew Wiggins did what he needed to do. Had an efficient night, uh, played very good defense, only had two turnovers. So it's not really – you can't really put the blame on him. And then uh, this guy, uh, Jordan Poole, came out there. He dropped 10 off the bench. And then this guy, Tuscano Andersor. Or Anderson, I don't know. Is it Anderson or Andersor? I, I think it's know. I think it's Toscano Anderson. Yes, um, he was putting up points. He had nine. I know that he played very well last night as well. So the, the Warriors role players played up the snuff, and then of course my MVP out here went out and dropped a quick, simple thirty-seven. You feel me? Um, he had seven boards again. I didn't even realize he had seven, which was crazy. Um, and he just did his thing, just showing the league, you know, I'm out here. This is what I'm doing. Steph was announced as an MVP finalist, along with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. So we'll see what happens in that regard. 
But overall, man, the Lakers did what they needed to do. They took care of business. They were able to hold off the Warriors. Uh, LeBron James hit probably one of the better shots I've seen him make in recent years with that 35-footer. I don't know about lucky shot. They showed somebody put on Twitter lucky shot, uh, but they showed all the times that Braun has hit shots like that, shot clock running down and moments like that. You forget that there was that shot against the Warriors when he was in Miami uh, over Iguodala, that step back about 35 feet. He hit that shot, that game winner in uh, Cleveland against the Magic in like 2009. Braun makes these, I'm a Braun hater. The, the man does make these shots when it matters. You know what I'm saying? He does tend to do that look away from look away from the ball and then, like, you know, pull up from the 30, fu- 30 fucking feet. It is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and say it was luck. The man does make shots like this. It's not uncommon. It's not the first one he's ever made. I'm saying it's luck simply just because he got eye-poked, like, two possessions prior to that by yeah. Draymond. And he, he said when he took that shot, he said, I saw three hoops and I shot it at the middle one. So, yeah, I, like I, I, I in, in, exaggeration in sometimes. Case, we'll see what happens. No, he got eye posts. There's no, no, he doubt. definitely did. I'm just saying, like him post. going out there and saying, if you realistically yeah. can't fucking see the basket, you're not literally going to put up a shot. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit of a, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was a little hyperbolic. I get it. The, 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 the matchup was good. The, you know, Braun went at it with Steph. You know, there was some gnarling, you know, obviously uh, Draymond almost got ejected for a, a questionable call, at least in my opinion. I thought it was a flagrant just based off of the situation, especially uh, because, yes, I thought it was at least a flagrant one. And obviously with this man's history with flagrant fouls and technicals and whatnot, I really thought they were going to toss him. I just, I genuinely felt no. that. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no matchup was great. Golden State's got to take care of business against Memphis. Um, Memphis obviously played very well in the beginning of the game. I think they were up what maybe twenty points at the end of the first quarter against San Antonio. But Greg Popovich made adjustments and they came back. Memphis held off. Dylan Brooks had a great game. John Morant had an okay game. So um, we'll see what happens. If they're two electrifying point guards and Steph and Ja, we we have seen them play before and Golden State has pretty much blown them out in a lot of their games. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to say anything about Golden State for sure winning, but the potential I was gonna, of well, them winning. I was going to ask know. you, what's your prediction? I, I have Golden State winning. I really do. I think that Steph is going to do what he needs to do again, but I think he'll be a little bit more conscientious. They don't have the firepower that the Lakers do in regards to Memphis, so I think that this team will be able to, you know, handle Memphis a little bit with ease, but I would not sleep on them and say that it's over. Or say that uh, you know they're they're a walkthrough. They're still an NBA team. Steph can have a bad night. You know what I mean. Draymond Green can have another a foul night. So a- anything can happen. I think Steph's dropping just, forty points, bro. I hope he drops fucking fifty for my sake, honestly, just to further his MVP campaign. Because apparently in the play-in tournament, guys, these statistics don't count towards their regular season stats or their postseason stats. These are going to be held within their own play-in tournament stats. So if the play-in tournament is canceled after this year. These are going to be the only play-in tournament statistics in NBA history, which is hysterical. I think it's stupid since it's not a playoff game. It should be counted toward the regular season because it's not a postseason. You're playing to get into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So I think that these stats should be padded towards the, you know, to make a better case for regular season stats. Um, but, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I'm excited for the potential matchups that are going to come. Obviously, as a Mavs fan, I'm looking forward to my my game. You know, that's going to be at 3.30 Central Time, uh, Mavs against the Clippers. Um, I mean, I, I do quickly 
and I mean like literally quickly just want to change the agenda really quick. I do want to get into, I, I forgot to mention to you throughout the day because I wasn't feeling well. Um, what do you think about this potential Clippers tanking the last two games so they wouldn't have to potentially face the Lakers? Like, do you think that's true? Do you think that's bullshit? Do you think that's the media spinning shit? I, I genuinely think they, they, they folded. Like there was a player that shot the ball 21 times that I've never even heard of in the game against OKC and they played one of the worst teams in the league and they lost. And it just looked like they didn't care. Like the majority of the starters weren't playing at all. And if they were, they got pulled relatively early. It just, it looked like the Clippers gave up and said, yo, I don't fucking care about this game. We're going to rest our players. Meanwhile, they knew that the Lakers were looming to potentially get the sixth seed and they would have had to play them. As a Mavericks fan, I say, bring me all the smoke. I want all the smoke from last season. Any Clippers fan out there, you let me know. Because y'all know if KP don't get hurt and Marquise Morris don't do that bullshit or Marcus Morris don't do that bullshit fucking almost ruining my player's career, this is a whole other series. So I'm going to just leave it at that. I wouldn't go – I don't know if I would go as far as they, they deliberately tanked. I think it's just kind of like that whole player management thing where – um What's what's the word? What's the phrase that they use? Uh, not player load management. management. Load management. That's that's what I was trying I think to it's say. A crock of bullshit, but whatever. Um, simply just because, I mean, looking back at it, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I mean, I pit the Lakers to get the sixth seed. I thought they were going to be able to. I thought they were going to be able to get it in like the last game of the year. But the one thing that I didn't really account for was the Nuggets kind of resting their starters great that Jokic did play in that last game of the year but I should have been a little bit more aware of the trailblazers just ability to maintain and keep that six spot to avoid the playing tournament and I didn't take into account were the nuggets really going to play 110 120 percent in the last game of the year when in actuality that game is rather insignificant for them because they were either going to be the three or the four seed. I mean, had they been the four, they would have played the Mavericks and now they're going to play the trailblazers. Is it a more favorable matchup for them now? I mean, we'll see. It's a, it's definitely a compelling matchup. I definitely think it's going to be a fun series to watch. And I think it would have been the same, even if the nuggets had to go up against the Mavericks. So when I look at the Clippers though, I think it's more of a case of just load management for them. Just resting Kawhi, resting Paul George going into the playoffs. They didn't have to really worry about any sort of play-in tournament situation because they're the top four seeds of the Western Conference. Apparently Kawhi's hurt. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. He's always dealing with something. He'll be fine. He'll drop like freaking 25, 30 points in the first game. He'll be fine. But the thing is, though, like they weren't the two seed they wouldn't have had to play the Lakers anyway. The Lakers at best were going to get the seven seed because they didn't overtake the trailblazers. And the Suns already had that two spot locked up. And I, I think looking at, I think really kind of looking at it now, the, the Clippers really didn't really have anything to lose. Okay. So they drop one seed. They play the, the Mavericks instead of the trailblazers. Big whoop. So I don't think it was going to be a situation it where just, they were going to look suspect is what I'm saying. Conveniently, they pulled their starters in both games. Yeah, I get and that. They just I let saw it. Rock. I saw it. 
Then they played against like the two worst teams in the in the Western Conference too. They played OKC and Houston. But I just they weren't really going to lose anything though. Like there's they were already a top four seed, and they probably weren't going to they weren't going to play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. Because, like I said, looking back at it. If Portland should, loses not the last game, because they did lose the last game. If Portland loses the next game, oh, they won that game. Right, right, right. Yeah, they they beat Denver the last game of the year. Those two, if Portland loses those two games. If they lost two, they lost the two. six. Yeah. But that's why they were like, yo, we what, need to make sure we lose. I don't think so. I don't think so. I the reason why is because I think I think the Nuggets weren't really even interested in really making that last game a game i think that they were gonna at least you know put some bodies out there and compete but the trailblazers just had their number that night i mean i think the, the trailblazers won that game by like 25 points yeah so they spanked it, them yeah so it, it didn't really show me that the nuggets were really interested um in that game particularly it was the last game of the year anyway and they were pretty much locked up as a top four seed anyway so this whole thing about, oh, the Clippers did this to avoid the Lakers. I don't think so. I, I, I know it, I know it's definitely a compelling idea, but I just don't think so. I think it's a little bit I think it's a little bit far-fetched for me. Maybe I'm just naive. Ask. Maybe I'm naive on this one, but I think it, it, I think if you're looking at the Clippers, they're probably thinking, well, the Trailblazers are I have to go they're going to have to go nuts in the last game of the year to avoid the plan. And winning that last game against the Nuggets was absolute paramount was absolutely paramount for them. So, oh, 100%. That that's why I think that I don't really think that the whole Clippers thing is really true. So, to them it it's really an insignificant thing as far as I'm concerned. I think they're making I think a lot of people are making more than what it actually is. Fair enough. I, like I said, I just thought I'd ask cuz I saw a lot of the rumors and I know I had my opinion and I wanted to get what you had. Uh, on your mind, but uh, transitioning into well, the next topic. Uh, I'll, I'll take that back. Now, if the Clippers were the two seed and they dropped to the three, then that would be a more compelling argument. But that wasn't the case. They were yeah. the three, and then they dropped down to the four. That would ha- You would have to assume that the Lakers would have had to jump to the six, basically saying, okay, well, the Trailblazers aren't going to play like really like balls to the wall in the last game of the year to avoid the plan. The trailblazers weren't going to do that. Trailblazers had to play for everything to make sure that they would avoid the plan. 100%. So that's how I kind of look at it. Had the Clippers been the two seed. Okay. Then I would think that would, I think that argument would hold a little bit more. It wouldn't look more suspect. I feel you. If they were the, but they were the three. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. So, but, uh, other than that, uh, I know for a fact that I'm going to have my little moment here. We're transitioning into the next subject right now, the Yankees. Um, I'm happy with the direction we're going. Obviously, last night, the Yankees threw their 12th no-hitter in our history. Uh, Shout-out to Corey Kluber. Throwing 101 pitches, nine strikeouts, one walk. Obviously, would have been a perfect game if he wouldn't have had that walk. But we did no-hit the Texas Rangers. Ironically enough, this was their second time this season being no-hit by a different team. Um, again, we've been playing better. Uh, Kyle and I were actually talking about it before the episode. Um, the, the problem is, is ironically enough, our biggest concern going into the season was health and then pitching. 
And of course, now the Yankees have great pitching and we have a lack of offense. John Carlo Stanton is now on the 10 day IL with a hamstring injury or calf injury, whatever the fuck it is. I don't understand. He's on the IL every year, every five seconds. Um, uh, Odor was called back up from the 10 day IL. He's playing very well. And you know what I'm saying? Miguel and Duhar had a couple of good hits over the weekend. Uh, Gio Urshela had a couple of good hits as well, or should I say during the week. Um, Aaron Judge got player of the week last week for, you know, just absolutely ripping the ball. Okay. Um, yeah, just he's just playing great uh, baseball as of late. DJ LeMay, he was getting, him, getting going, hitting uh, runners in scoring position. Clint Frazier had a home run. Uh, like I said, we're, just, we're, we're getting going. But our thing, my thing with us is the offense needs to be consistent. Because of our pitching staff playing as well as they are, obviously Garrett Cole didn't do so well in his last uh, outing. Uh, but other than that, he's been basically shut out the entire season. Corey Kluber has solidified himself in the rotation as our number two uh, this past couple days or this past day, throwing a no-no. Um, obviously, Herman coming back from his suspension. He just went seven innings today, and we won 2-0. to zero. Um, so it's just a matter of who's going to be able to solidify the four and the five spot for us. Jordan Montgomery has had some good outings this year. Um, and of course, you know, James Talon, Talion, whatever his last name is, I always forget how to pronounce, pronounce it. Um, he's probably our, you know, our worst pitcher as of right now, but I know that the, uh, the Bronx pinstripes, uh, podcast that I've watched, they always do make great analogies and, or should I say they make great points and great references. Talon, for whatever reason, has a great couple of innings. And then for whatever reason, his stuff doesn't get away from him. People are just – they're just hitting the ball very well against him. So, I mean, he is getting a lot of strikeouts, but when he's not striking people out, he's giving up the long ball, and it's pretty bad. So I don't know if he's got to get his stuff together or dialed in or maybe move him to a bullpen role and maybe call somebody else up. I don't exactly know. Um, I know that our inconsistencies and in, uh, in the infield also do not help with Glaber Torres having his errors – uh, the multiple shifts at first base between Luke Voigt, Jay Bruce, who retired, and then Mike Ford. So it's just a lot of, you know, moving pieces right now in the situation. Uh, thankfully, our bullpen is, is locking people down after our starters are doing very well. Once again, very surprised that our starters are actually going six or seven innings per person, which is great. Uh, but again, you know, the Yankees have turned it around. We've played very good baseball over our last 15 games. Uh, we are one game behind the Red Sox for first place in the AL East. We're coming up to a series against the, the, the Chicago White Sox tomorrow. Uh, I'm not looking forward to. I know that the White Sox are one of the better teams in the AL, and I am a little worried with the lack of offense that we have right now going against this team is going to be a little concerning. So we'll see what happens. Um, like, again, I'm, I'm very, very happy. I've said um a hundred times, and it's actually pissing me off. I normally don't hesitate when it comes to the Yankees. I'm just sitting here, like, with so much stuff in my mind that I want to talk about with them. It just won't come out right. So uh, I will leave it at that. But, again, very happy in the direction that we're going. Very proud to see that we're kind of flipping the script. I know we started off in a very, very, very bad place. And the point of the matter is we're winning series. We may not win every game. We may not be on a big win streak. But we are taking the best of three or the best of four very often and that's all we need to do is continue to win i don't give a shit if it's win three lose one win two lose one as long as we are taking the bulk of these series and these win in the win column that's all that matters to me so if you had to give a letter grade because we are a quarter of the way through the season so far if you had to give the yankees a letter grade through the first i don't know first month and a half two months of the season what would you give them 
about a B, B minus, honestly. It's because of the inconsistencies on offense. If we were able to give our pitchers, we're, we're, we're giving them about two to three runs a game. If we were to give about five, I'd be fine. I have, like, because we have too much firepower on this team to not put up the points that we should, honestly. The last two games, we've scored two runs each game. Thankfully, our pitching staff is shutting Texas down, and we no-noed them yesterday. And today we left them on zero again. So it's like our back half of the bullpen, obviously Chappie is perfect in, in uh, appearances. He's 11 he's been, of 11. He's, he's got fire so far this year. He's got no earned runs. He's only got six walks. So Chappie's doing his part. Obviously Chad Green will always be doing his part. One of my favorite relievers on the team. Uh, Lazonia has been doing very well. I have a big, big, big improvement from last season. Uh, unfortunately, Zach Britton had a setback in his rehabilitation with his elbow, so he might get pushed back to after July. So we'll see what happens on that front. But again, you know, an overall grade is definitely a B, B minus because of the lack of offense. And the only thing keeping us in these games is our dominant pitching staff right now. So we'll see what happens. It's just crazy. Like when I'm looking at some of these these results, I mean, granted, you guys are getting these wins here. But like if you go back to the National Series at the beginning of the month, you know, you're getting four runs, three, and then you go to the race series. You're, you're scoring three, one, one. Now, granted, against the Orioles, you guys did at least step up the bats a little bit. So you guys were definitely getting some Five, run support. Eight, yeah, yeah. But it's like these these two three-run games, it, 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 it adds some pressure to the, to the pitching rotation. And it's like at a certain point, the bats have to start to get going. It's like, look, I, you know, I know runs are tough to get in, in major league baseball. I, I don't want to lose sight of that, but this team has great power. They're one of the most prolific offenses that I've seen in recent memory when it comes to hitting home runs. And the best that you're able to manage is two runs a game, two to three runs for most of these games. It's, it's absolutely wild to me. You got G, you got Giancarlo Stan, you got Aaron Judge, you've got Aaron Hicks, you've got Aaron Hicks is hurt too. He's on the IL. He might be out for the year. I mean, you guys have some decent power hitters here, and the best that you guys are getting is maybe two to three runs a game. It seems kind of odd to me that this team is just not producing a lot of runs and not really helping their their pitching staff in a significant manner. It's frustrating to say the least. But you guys are winning, though. That it, again, happy with that. Do not get me wrong. My biggest problem is when I see that Garrett Cole is on the mound and we have one fucking run in the seventh inning, or I see that oh, we have a no hitter going, but we only scored fucking two runs. It's a little concerning for me because there should it should not be like this. We definitely should not have these issues. And my problem with that is. I hope that we're not getting comfortable or settling for these poor performances. I know that Boone is not happy with us only scoring with the potential that we have in this lineup. But if you're going to tell me this is all we're going to score all season long, we're not going to beat good teams in the postseason. We're not going to beat good teams at the end of the season. God, we haven't even fucking played Boston yet. And if we're sitting here scoring against these bums, two runs, two runs, three runs, three runs, one run, it's, it's not going to bode well for us later. So, again, I'm happy that we're waking up. It has taken us a little longer than I expected. And there are games, like you said, where we turned it up and we scored six runs here, seven runs here, five runs here, 
But if we don't make that a consistent thing with the power that we have in this lineup, it's 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 just it's not going to go well for us, and I'm not happy with it at all. Well, don't get well, me wrong. Well, after this White Sox series, you guys have, I believe, the Blue Jays and then the Tigers in back-to-back series. So you guys could definitely pick up some games there. And then at the beginning of June, you guys have the Rays and the Red Sox in back-to-back series to start the month of June. So next month is going to be huge for us, especially at the start. But you guys mm-hmm. have you guys have some winnable series after this White Sox series um, this weekend, and you got to make the most of it, especially because you need the momentum going up against the Rays and the Red Sox in bat to back series. Definitely, yeah, that. we need all the help. We we definitely need all the help we can get. And I'm sitting here trying to find Aaron Hicks's injury uh, with a wrist injury, and I believe he has surgery could be required. Listen. Aaron Hicks hasn't been the same player in about three years. Aaron Hicks had Tommy John surgery, I want to say in 2018 or something like that, and he has not been able to come back from it since. Um, Just been in and out of the lineup, inconsistencies at the plate. Last season, he had a pretty solid year in regards to, you know, uh, strikeout percentages and OBPS, but this season he's just not playing well. He's not seeing the ball very well. He's striking out a lot. Um, He's not being able to put the ball in play. And, you know, there was a routine, you know, I don't know if it was a pop fly or it was a ground ball that, you know, like it just hit center field and he just misplayed it completely. He just doesn't look at the same player. We gave him a five-year, $50 million extension a few years back, and he just does not seem like he is in the right state of mind. And this wrist injury is going to just set him back even further. So, I mean, at this point, I'm looking at the potential of what we're going to do. Are we going to call up this stud um, – out of double A, triple A, whatever, that 17 or 18 year old kid, everybody's like praying for to call to get called up. He's like a switch hitting dominant power hitter out of DR or something like that. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. He was invited to spring training, but I'm just sitting here trying to think, what can we do to change this up? Do we have to officially put Brett Gardner in center? Do we have to leave judge at right? Do we put Clint Frazier permanently at left? I don't like the fact that we're putting Andujar in left field. He's not a good fielder, in my personal opinion. He's never played outfield in his career, so I don't like that. And I just, I'm just, I'm just thinking in the long run, man. What the hell are we gonna do to to try to spark up something? Like I said, not only offensively but defensively, we need to continue to make these adjustments. And does that mean Stanton's got to play a little bit of left field when he comes off the IL? That's what he originally played. No, he played right field for the Marlins, but I mean, like, I don't know. I really don't know. It, there's a lot of question marks right now in terms of uh, what the hell's going to happen in the outfield. So I'm, I'm very, very, very concerned and curious to see what Boone has planned up. Get the plug-in guys based on the team's needs. It's next man up. It's like every other sport. You know what I'm saying? One guy goes down, it's a guy, the next guy got to step up. But I'm just worried that we don't have enough to call up or enough to help. Now, I do want to ask one question. Um, It is baseball related. Since we are a quarter of the way through the season, what has been the biggest surprise to you in the first two months of the season? If you had to kind of just think of something off the top of your head, what's something that's really kind of stood out and surprised you so far at the beginning of the year? the pitching dominance in the season. I think we're up to seven no hitters already. And it's only been two months. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like weird. Like we're just seeing the year of the pitcher. Honestly, it's just, bro, we're talking Jacob deGrom has a 0.67 ERA. Once again, one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. We have Garrett Cole doing what he's doing. And then we just have what, like I said, six or seven no hitters. I don't even know. I think it's like six. It's just, 
It's absolutely insane. And we are literally watching history because if we're up to six within a quarter of the year, who's to say we don't hit, you know, maybe 15 or 20 by the end of the season. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. I love pitching duels for those of you that say pitching like that is boring or uh, games with no runs are boring. Uh, I would say you don't know anything about baseball. When you watch a no hit game or a perfect game, those are some of the most some of the most greatest games in sports. Like we're talking about, I don't think people understand how hard it is to pitch a no hitter or perfect game. That means you cannot make one mistake, not one error. The ball placement needs to be perfect every single pitch. And for people that don't understand how hard that is, when you're throwing a baseball, there's no guarantee when you let it go, it's going to go exactly where you want it to. That's why they're professionals. They can put it in the vicinity of the catcher can ask them to put it here. But when you have off-speed pitches or when you have a pitcher that has movement on a fastball, placement is key in the sport because obviously the difference between a a low fastball and a middle and in to a lefty, obviously you already know that's going to be set. So I just think that we're having a a great year in regards to pitching, and I could not be happier, bro. I love, love, love no-hit and perfect games, dude. Thankfully, the Yankees got one themselves. We haven't gotten one in a long time, I believe, since David Cohn. No. Maybe David Cohn? I don't remember. I think – I can't it's remember. Been it was like first, it's, it's been yeah, a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I think 1996. It's 96, I think. I think it was either David Wells or David Cohn. David Wells. David Wells. That's the one. David Wells threw his perfect game. Yes, yes, yes. I think that was in like the early 2000s, if I remember correctly. David Wells' would, perfect game was 1998. Okay, 1998. So I knew it was 90-something. It was in our postseason run. But if I had to say something that's been really surprising to me – Yo, this guy, Otani, Shohei, I, I don't know how to say his oh, name. Shohei Otani. He is Leads the league amazing. Like, I don't say that very often. I know we've all stated, we've stated before that we believe that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. I'll tell you this, though. Otani, though, is the full package. This dude can hit. This dude can pitch over 100 miles an hour. And... Dude, you could basically play him wherever. This dude is literally what I call like a Swiss Army knife. You can put him mm-hmm. in any situation, and he's going to go out there and not only play well, he can dominate. Who do you know that could hit 12 to 13 home runs, lead the league in, in Major League Baseball, and throw 100 miles an hour? Who? It's, un- it's unheard of. It's unheard of. It like, just it does not exist. The, the only player that I can really think of that could really do something like that is freaking Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth, I know, was not pitching 100 miles an hour back in the day. Granted, I know he could rake back in the day. But I know he wasn't throwing 100 mile an hour plus fastballs. This dude, Otani, he might be – he has the potential to be the best player in baseball. I'm not going to put it past him. Just yeah, because no, 100%, yeah. it, it's his versatility. I usually like when I look at baseball players, they're usually beholden to one position that they played pretty much their entire baseball career. You know, when it yep. comes to pitchers, pitchers aren't really known as power hitters, but you know, when it comes to infielders or outfielders, they're not necessarily known for their pitching. They may have pitched back when they were like in junior high or high school, but not when they get to the majors, they just don't have, they just don't have, the ability to compete with pitchers that have been pitching basically since they were little kids. But Otani, this dude is 
amazing. Freaking nature, bro. Freaking nature. Like, I remember when Hideki Matsui was really big for the Yankees in the mid-2000s and maybe towards, like, the latter part of the two, I mean, the early part of 2010s. This dude right here, this guy's going to be amazing for a decade plus. Oh, yeah. He's If he can keep it up with no injuries, because obviously that's going to take a toll on his arm throwing. And if he's raking as consistent as he does at the plate, you know, there's going to be a give and a teeter. Like, do they officially make him a pitcher? Are they going to just solely make him bullpen relief? Like, he's a starter. And it's very, 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 very scary to know that he's literally throwing 100 miles an hour in one game. And then the next game, he's like hitting fucking 458 foot bombs. So the Angels need to be very careful. Granted, he is playing stellar, but you have to be careful because a talent like that will burn out quickly. He's only 26. 162 games. Only, only 26, though, bro. He you, is... you gotta be careful, man. You know these pitchers. It's not a natural motion to throw a baseball like this, so that will give eventually. I get it. I do. But I, I just have to say, he has been just fun to watch. Yeah. And... I just hope he keeps it up. I mean, at this pace, he might hit 35 home runs this year. <laughs> or maybe strike out 200 people. <laughs> I mean, you have, I haven't crazy. heard about that in in decades. Somebody could yeah. do something like that and yeah. do it well. And so, efficiently. Yeah, he's – it's like I said, man, he's a Swiss Army knife, and I love it. It's not it's too crazy. Many, there's not too many – there are not too many players like him. I mean, it is – it's very rare that I say something like He is uncommon. He's an uncommon baseball player, but he is – he makes it exciting, and I think he's a special player. I just hope he keeps it up. Oh, but, yeah. But with that said, um, we'll transition back into basketball for a little bit. So I know we mentioned at the top of the episode, we are going into the playoffs this weekend. It should be fun to watch all these games that take place this weekend. But we're going to take it back a little bit. Kevin and I are going to discuss our most memorable NBA playoff moments. Granted, there are a litany of moments to choose from. But, Kevin, I'll let you have the floor first. What is your most memorable NBA playoff moment? Dirk scoring 48 against the Thunder in the first game of the Western Conference Finals in 2011. Uh, He scored 48 points. He broke the NBA record for 24 consecutive free throws made. And, I mean, he was just hitting in all angles. I mean, I'll never forget that series. They put everybody and anybody on him, and he could not be stopped. They put Ibaka, even Cephalosha, Perkins, Nick Collison, everybody. KD, it just it made no difference. Dirk dominated. We won that series in six, and obviously we go on to win the finals in six against the Heat, our first and only championship. But that game, man, I just – I cannot begin to – express to you the literal joy I I got watching my favorite player just torch one of the best up-and-coming teams in the league. I mean, the man at 32, 33 years old was going at it with all of these young stars, James Harden, um, obviously, you know, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, it just you name it. That's when Serge Ibaka was coming into his own, obviously leading the league in, in block shots, being one of the better defenders in the league. And it, no matter what, spin fade, uh, post fade, three point, free throw, finishing at the rim. Even there was even one point he was, he's backing down surge on the left block and he spins baseline and he just dunks it. And it was just two handed jam. It was incredible. And I mean, 
holy shit, that that series was just absolutely so much fun to watch as a Mavs fan and as a basketball fan, in honesty. We had literally just come off sweeping the defending champion Lakers in four. Mm-hmm. And then we go right like right into the fucking th- and Dirk just tees off game one, bro. The, the man was averaging 28 points per game in this postseason alone and obviously carried us to a championship. But that game, I, I, I cannot picture a better game because that was my favorite player just doing everything in his power to fucking carry us. And he did. And it was just it was amazing, bro. It was my easily, easily my favorite. I thought you were gonna go with the um, with the Mavs uh, beating Miami in the finals. I thought you were gonna go um, to that series as your moment. I'm actually surprised you well, went with a different one. I mean, I, I, I'm again that that was a great series. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying like there was not a game in that series where somebody took over other than Jason Terry in Game Six when he scored like 28 to solidify that game, but like. That particular game in that road to winning the championship was just it's wild, bro. It's fucking nuts. It's a good moment, though. I will give you that. It's a great moment. For me, I'm going to go with uh, game seven of the 2010 NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Celtics. That game, that game gave me high blood pressure, dude, from beginning to end. Um, that was a series that... It was the second time that the Celtics that featured the big three at the time, which was Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen going up against Kobe, Powell, Powell. and Lamar. They had played each other in the 2008 NBA Finals. Celtics won that series, and then this was the rematch two years later. And it was just – that game seven was just amazing to watch. And it was a defensive game because both teams really did struggle to shoot offensively because the, I think the final score in that game was 83 to 79. Yeah, dude, it was super low. It was a struggle. It was pretty much a defensive battle. And I do remember in that game, particularly Boston started out very well in that game and the Lakers got into an early deficit, but the Lakers were able to kind of claw back into that game. And then basically the second half, it was just a grind. Both teams are going out of it. Really, neither team could get that big of a lead, I believe, in the second half. Maybe I'm wrong. If I actually remember right, I believe the Celtics got on an early run in the third quarter that put them up, I think, over 10. I don't know if it got to like a 15-point lead, but the Lakers were able to claw back and really make it a game in the second half. And then the fourth quarter, it was just wild. I'll never forget when you got maybe like a minute, minute and a half left in the game. Kobe passes it to Meta World. Ron Artest. Yeah, yeah. I think he had his name changed by that. I think yeah, I don't man. think it was Ron Artest anymore. He, he kicks it out to Meta World Peace and knocks down a huge three-pointer that I believe put them up six. And in that game, a six-point lead Nuts. is Nuts. huge. That and game then, was crazy. You, you know, the crazy thing is, is like Ray Allen would come right back and knock down a three to close the gap to three. I just remember like whenever the Lakers had a big shot, Ray Allen came right back and knocked down a huge shot. And then the Lakers were able to play some solid defense. They were able to knock down their free throws. Remember Sasha Bujicic knocked down two big free throws right at the Bujic. end of the game. And it gave the Lakers a huge win. Got them, I believe they're 
15th title at the time? I think so. 15th, I think. Maybe wrong. It's either 15 or 16. It's one of those two. I, I, I lose count. There's so many. It had to be 15 because you guys just tied Boston for the most championships with the Lakers so. just winning. So it gave Kobe his fifth, and that was probably his sweetest finals victory. He gets revenge oh, yeah. from the 2008 finals. He didn't necessarily have the best game in that game seven against Boston, but he made some big shots when he needed to. And it was just, it was an amazing game to watch. I, I vividly remember, I really thought at a certain point, the Lakers were going to lose the game just because I think it was early in the second half. If I remember right, Boston got up to a pretty big lead in the second half, specifically in the third quarter. And I just didn't think the Lakers were going to be able to bounce back, but that team dug deep and they clawed their way back and they made it happen. It was one of the, it's really one of the only moments I could really kind of sit down after. And I'm like, damn, that was an amazing game. Granted, it wasn't like the best scoring game, but you could just tell the intensity was there from beginning to end. And it it was a grind to watch that game. There are very few games where it's, it's kind of tough to watch that game from beginning to end, but it was one of them, but it was, it was just sweet to watch the Lakers get that game seven dub and get the finals win. No, I mean, I'll never forget watching it because I was watching it with my dad and obviously my dad and my brother, the the Laker fans in the house and just watching the grind and the grit and like the toughness, like you said, that, that whole game, it was so physical Oh, and ironically, ironically enough, uh, Metal World Peace at the end of the post-game conference was like, Kobe passed me the ball. Yeah, <laughs> he, the- he did. That was so hilarious to know that Kobe gets five. They get their redemption against Boston. Like, Metal World Peace finally gets his ring. And, like, bro, the, 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 everything seemed to just go into the right place at that time. And, like, the Lakers won back-to-back. Yep. You know, Kobe's chasing potentially six the next season. Um, you know, they're just the Lakers are firing on all cylinders, and to know that they, 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 Kobe went over the hump. Kobe finally said, "Yo, I, I beat them. I did it." And to know how tough that whole series was, let alone that last game, and to see Kobe or like Lamar throw it down to Kobe to win yep. the game, and the, that dude, go, goosebumps, bro. Goosebumps. It was, it was a crazy game. It did kind of give an old school type of NBA game. You know, where is that low scoring? You know, typically you don't oh, see yeah. that anymore just because there's such a huge emphasis on offense now. And the three-point shot, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't as significant as it is Prominent, now. Prominent, yeah, right now. So it's – it was one of those things I, I, I vividly remember. Had Kendrick Perkins not tore his ACL in game five, it was game five or game six where he tore his ACL, I think Boston wins that series. That was a huge yeah. that was a huge blow for Boston when he tore his ACL. I think if he he hadn't, Boston could have won that series because they were up three two after game five. But the, the Lakers had two home games for game six and seven. So then, and that was the old format. It was two three two. Now it's not. And now it's yeah two it's, two one 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 one. Like it's. I hate that shit. I hate that shit. I I, I like the old school two three two. I love it. Yep. That's the way it should be. Mavs won on that. Yeah. But, you know, it, dude, that was only 10 years ago. That was only 10 only. years 
only 10 years ago, but I remember just like it was yesterday, bro. That was, I felt, I felt good after the winning of that one. I I didn't go out there and play, but dude, I felt good after that one. Like I went into school. I think it was the last day. And I was thinking about just completely skipping school, but I was like, you know what? Like I'm feeling good and I'm just going to rub it in all these Boston fans when I go to school. Same, 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 same. Well, obviously when, when we won, everybody was a Braun fan. So it made me feel good, bro. Everybody was going off that postseason, right? So, like, like I said, the Thunder were doing their thing. The Lakers were trying to repeat for a three-peat. Um, the Blazers were giving us trouble in the first round. We obviously won that in six. So, of course, the next matchup we had to play Kobe and the boys. And I said, yo, this is about to be the toughest matchup we've had possibly in franchise history. Like, this was, this, this was bad. Like, this was rough. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous. I'm shitting my pants. We come out, we blow y'all motherfuckers off the door. Like we just fucking spank the shit out of you guys. I think there was like maybe one game that was close. I think that was game two. I, it, like, I think what happened with the Lakers, I think they just ran out of gas. I really do. Think well, no, were... I think, I think you underestimated us because we also shot the lights out. We were just fucking hitting. All oh, Jason, Jason, court. Jason Terry was knocking down shots. JJ Beret was knocking down shots. I'm not even talking about Dirk yet. Yeah, no, like the everybody, role play, all the of our role, role players. But but I, I I do think to a certain extent that I think the Lakers got burnt out going for that three peat. I think they just and look they ran into a team that was just firing in all cylinders. And sometimes when you pair that, there's a little bit of fatigue going for a three peat because well there hasn't been a three peat since the Lakers in the beginning of the two thousands. Yeah, the La- and the Lakers were going for it that season against uh, the Mavericks the year after they beat the Celtics in the finals. Sometimes, bro, you just run out of gas and you go up against a team that's just hitting everything. It, it, it's mentally debilitating. Oh, 100%. Excuse and, me. And um, I'll never, like, I'll never forget, like, I, that series ended really ugly uh, with Andrew oh, Bynum. Yeah, with the Bynum. Elbowing. Yeah, that, that series did not end well. But, I mean, it really did give Dallas. only suspended for, like, two or three games. You know that, right? That was That was whack. Only two, three games could have fucking ended JJ's I career. Think, I, I think he actually got suspended more than that. I think it was like, I thought it was more. I, I no, remember it was I, very small. I remember looking this up. I, th- I thought it was more just because it was a pretty, there was a bullshit hit. Uh, let me look this up. I thought it was like six. Andrew Bynum suspended and fined five Andrew games. Bynum suspended. Five. five it, was, it was little. That's what I'm saying. What the fuck is five games? Anyway, nevertheless, right? So what I was getting at was um, in high school, there was a lot of Kobe fans and there was a lot of Braun fans. Obviously, we're sitting here in the latter portion of Braun up and coming. This is the Miami year. And then, you know, Kobe chasing the three, the three-peat. So everybody's just hoping for that Kobe-LeBron finals matchup that we never got, unfortunately. Yep. So, of course, we sweep. I get to high school early, right? Bro, there's so many fucking Kobe fans. Everybody was shit talking me. Oh, you got lucky after game one. Oh, game two is going to be different. Game three is going to be different. Bro, we're going to be the first team to come back from a 3-0 deficit. All right, cool, 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 cool. Be ready for me to talk shit the next day, bro. Obviously, I had no motherfucking curfew because I told my parents, I said, yo, the Mavs are in the playoffs. We're running this shit. And plus, my dad's a Laker fan, so he wasn't going to not let me watch the games because he was going to be up. We're watching, we're watching, watching, we win. My dad didn't talk to me for like two days. My brother didn't want to talk to me because he was obviously young. Um, and he was like kind of upset, but, uh, so long story short, what I'm getting at is, bro, I got to school early. I printed out, like, I want to say like this much of my high school printer with like a bunch of fucking Dirk, uh, and like Mavericks fucking things from fucking 
pasted it on lockers, where I'm cutting images out of Dirk Nowitzki and fucking putting magazine covers. I went and got the newspaper, fucking put the back page on the biggest Kobe fan. I'm slipping things in lockers. I'm jimmying lockers open and putting shit in lockers. So when everybody gets to school, your boy's already been through, you know what I'm saying? I was doing what I had to do. So, bro, everybody opens their locker. Everybody's like, yo, what the fuck is this? Kev, Kev. And all you hear is me, mind you, I go to an all-boy high school in New Rochelle, New York, dumb small. So in the hallways, you hear whoever the fuck is screaming. Everybody came and found me in homeroom. And what am I doing? Sitting there on my phone like this. I'm like, hello, gentlemen. Are you ready for the fun to begin? Mm-hmm. Because, bro, I, I stood up. They did not want no smoke, but I said, what did I tell y'all to promote this shit, bro? I'm like, yo, we about to win this chip. We about to fuck up OKC. We about to be Miami. Uh, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm teeing the fuck off and my teacher is going crazy. At this point, um, it's my sophomore year. I'm pretty sure my homeroom was Mr. Lotus Photo. I'm pretty sure it was Mr. Lotus Photo because I had Mr. Rajiri the next year. Bro, I'm popping off, bro. And obviously, this is during finals and shit, like, Bro, we emptying lockers, and I'm filling lockers with garbage. Then, obviously, the next series comes in, and OKC, there was just random Kevin Durant. I don't know the fuck. I don't even remember who it was. Bro, we won that series. I didn't even bother with that person. Bro, I was like, fuck you. Then the Miami series comes. We literally have to take – I'll never forget. The next day, I had a Civil Liberties final exam. I didn't even study. I did not care. I said, this, 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 this is the most important thing in my life right now. The Mavericks win game six. I get to school even earlier than before. I put mad shit everywhere in the hallway, bro. I fucking wasted so much high school ink. It was crazy, dude. I just popped, pop, 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 bro, everywhere, bro. Even in the homeroom, I put shit all over the place, bro. I was in trouble for fucking, for the next year, obviously going to my junior, bro, I was in dumb trouble, yo. I didn't even give a fuck. My mom surprises me downtown the next day. And she buys me the championship uh, shirt and the hat. So obviously I go into school because we could dress down for that t- for finals because we're just taking the test and we're leaving. Mm-hmm. Bro, I go in all mavved up, bro. Mav socks, fucking blue shoes. I ain't give a fuck. And I, man, I'll never forget. Bro, I was the happiest kid in that school. I didn't give a fuck if I got suspended for two weeks. I said, I don't even care, bro. I had to get shit talk every day that whole postseason. Like we weren't slapping slapping up competition, bro. It was just nuts. So I, I finally got to talk my shit. Everybody left me alone. And everyone said, yo, we're not going to fuck with you no more if your teams are in the playoffs because you're going to fuck with us for the rest of the year. And I was hyped, dude. I, I imagine like, every, like everybody in your school was probably thinking, I was like, why, why in the hell does this kid like like the Mavericks so much? So like they're not even like 100%. from New York. Like they live in yeah. – like they're, it's a Dallas team. Like what? Yeah, like, I got that a lot. They probably thought it was like, ah, he's weird. And I'm on bandwagon. That's what everybody kept saying. Bandwagon, bandwagon. I was like, bandwagon? What the fuck? That's I do, the last time we were in the finals. We were in middle school. I do have to ask, though. Like, back then, I don't know if you can really remember this. Like, what was, like, the general feeling towards Braun at the time? I know I hated him. I didn't like him. Well, so and did a I. lot of people. And a lot of people in my school admired him but there were just a few as we call it bronze sexuals that just were obsessed with him like yeah. anything he bro he could fart and they'd be like yo that was the greatest fart i've ever seen in my life <laughs> like it was insane 
So there was a shout out to my boy Austin. Uh, he's probably the biggest, what well, was well, not the biggest, one of the biggest LeBron fans I've ever met in my life. And uh, he just did not want to hear any slander. Bro, he said, this is before Bron even won his first championship. He's like, he's better yep. than Jordan. So it was all bullshit Cap. with him. Cap. Yeah, big facts. Big facts, right? It is what it is. I'm not going to say they'll argue now. Um, I feel like people were torn because we knew what we were watching as he was developing. And we knew that in high school when he, when he did the decision, um, it was kind of a bitch way to do it at the time. So people were kind of rubbed the wrong way with that, especially. And, you know, him leaving Cleveland and going to Miami to chase the title. It was just, it was interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people fucked with him. People knew that he was crazy when he did that dunk over Tyus Jones or Tyus, Tyrus Thomas uh, in that final or in that Eastern Conference matchup against the Bulls. Oh, that was so disrespectful. Uh, when he, when he <laughs> swung across and he just <clears throat> like that was dude. Everybody knew that LeBron James was probably one of the most athletic people, if not the most athletic person in the league at the time. Mm-hmm. But but again, you know, people were happier that my team beat Braun. So I guess the consensus was a lot of people as a whole didn't really fuck with him. They liked Dwayne and they felt bad for Dwayne, but you know what I'm saying? Like they also were upset because that means I was going to talk shit. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It, it was uh, it was like a 50, 50 thing at the time, but it, it could have been anybody. It could have been the fucking the thunder that beat the Lakers. I mean, they beat the, uh, the heat. I think anybody would have been hyped, and, but and yeah, that- I think if I, if I remember correctly, I think overall consensus other than like a few people, like they really didn't fuck with Braun. And that was prime Braun too. Like yeah, Braun yeah, was man, on was... a like athletically speaking, that Miami yeah. run, you were I don't think you'll ever find a better athlete playing at the pinnacle of, of someone's play yeah. compared to like you find me anyone. Great, there are a lot of athletic guys in the NBA. Not one of them. Derek Rose had a good a, stretch, but he blew his knee Derek- out. I'm saying he had a good stretch. Yeah, he had a good. He lasted. Yeah, it's just Russell Westbrook has been a consistent athletic freak over time. But like, do you remember like when Miami went on like a 27 game win streak? Yeah, it was like Like, second or third in NBA history. Yeah, they were going after the Lakers' record, and I remember when they lost to the Bulls. That was, dude, that was huge. Yeah, bro, they were just dominating. They were unstoppable. 27 in a row, like, bro. We like, witnessed history, dude. I, we watched I, a lot of good basketball growing I, up. I know at the time, you know, there was a lot of hate towards LeBron, specifically when he made that move to Miami. I'll never forget when he went back to Cleveland and people were throwing batteries at them, basically saying Bro, you're bad. dead to me. It was, saying you're it dead was to me. Bad. Like, like, but when you look back at it in hindsight, man, you you got to witness some of the greatest basketball ever mm-hmm. from that guy. And granted, I, I've been we'll a Kobe. We'll never get another. We'll get never get another player like him. I, I've again. been a Kobe fan my entire life, and, and don't get me wrong, Kobe had an amazing stretch from 2004 to basically like 2009. Kobe had a, an amazing five year stretch, but that Braun stretch in Miami, it's crazy, bro. He was on. He was, he was on, on another level. Like he was on one. It, it was just. He was the most hated, but man, he was the best player in basketball. And even I can say that because I know a lot of people. I I know Nick Wright will say that, oh, Braun's been the best player in the NBA since 2005. I think that is just so cap. It's so disrespectful to Kobe. Kobe was by far and away the best player in the mid 2000s. 
it's still absolutely yeah. ridiculous that he only got one MVP, but that's for another day. Another, another but, discussion. But, yeah, but, that's another one. If what if Kobe got more? Maybe I don't know. But Braun, when he made that move to Miami, he was pretty much far and away the best player in the league. That to me, that's when he took that throne from Kobe. He took that top spot from Kobe. Well, after Kobe yeah. got that that fifth title, I really thought like, okay. You know, now you're kind of like in a transition period where Braun is the best player in the He's league. He's the guy. He was a guy. And I mean, he's the best player for 10 years. I don't know if I would consider him the best player now, just because this year it's been a little bit more difficult on him just because of the amount of injuries, injuries and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if I had to say I think Steph's the best now. Right I now, think I, I, I don't, this season, this season, this season. I think it's Steph keeps us KD up was rattled with injuries. AD was rattled with injuries. Giannis missed some games with some injuries. Bro, like the top, the cream of the crop, like the best of the best were all hurt this year at some point, other than Jokic. Even Embiid was. Yeah. Luka missed a couple of games too with some back tightness. Like you, you give see. me, you tell me anybody, I'm going with probably Steph right now. Steph is playing yeah. on just he's a in super another stratosphere level. right now. He, stratosphere. Bro, he gets 35 points like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably going to go out and drop 40 on Memphis. I pray tomorrow. for Grizzlies. Oh, I, 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 I pray for the Grizzlies tomorrow. Hey, he dropped 50. I'm just letting y'all know. Don't expect to see me on the next episode. I'm going to be out there doing some stupid shit. I'm just playing. Um, it, it, bro, this is just the play-in tournament. He hasn't even made the playoffs. I know. I know. I know. And it's going to be sad when I see them lose in that series, whether it's a sweep or a gentleman's. It is what it is. It's just the fact that he got them there. If they yeah. win tomorrow, it's going to be nuts. They're not going to lose because of him. I'll tell you that. Yep. 100%. He's going to go out there and freaking ball. probably get 40 a game. I, guess I, I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I genuinely do. But, I mean, obviously, guys, it is about 1230 at this point. It is a little late on our end. We recorded a little later than we expected. Um, I'm not complaining. I love when me and Kyle get into this shit. You guys are seeing live and authentic reactions and, you know, tangents that end up turning into different segments. But nevertheless, we will be back at it again next week. Uh, Hopefully maybe get some episodes recorded on Sunday just because we're going to have a lot of playoff basketball updates to have for you guys. Maybe traditionally we'll stick to the Monday since we'll get the Western and Eastern Conference a full slate of games rather than just updating on one day. Uh, we'll play it by ear. Kyle and I will keep you guys posted, of course. Uh, shout out to everybody that follows, you know, subscribers and everything like that. As per usual, we really do appreciate it. Don't be surprised if we drop a Monday episode. I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't put it past us to drop it simply just because pretty much most of the f- first like games of these series will be wrapped up on Sunday. So, you know, we, we, we may do something quick just for Monday, just because, you know, we may be a little bit late if we drop if we decide to drop something on Tuesday. But Kevin and I will probably talk about that um, later this weekend. But yeah, pretty much all next week is going to be pretty much NBA. Pretty much ain't, ain't shit really going on everywhere else. I mean, there's playoff hockey going on. Again, no disrespect to the That's NHL. Been fire, I, I, though. That's been fire, I just, bro. I, I just I for what I just don't watch it. I'm it's sorry. Fire. Like, I, I don't exactly have fucking the, cable either. So the, the Lightning and the freaking Panthers were playing today. The Panthers won an OT six to five. The Lightning scored five goals in the second period, bro. Dude, I it's, I, it's I wild. Playoff hockey's another level. Like when the it's Rangers wild. were in the postseason, when when I first moved to Florida, and we went, we were just a game short of the Stanley Cup. 
it was it was what it was crazy so i mean I, I i honestly have to give it more credit more attention because it is very entertaining to watch especially with friends but uh i genuinely don't have anything to say about it because i didn't i didn't watch anything and not to mention i've been holding this piss for the last like 45 minutes and your boy's gotta go get it done so for me that's everything I got for y'all. Can't wait to watch more playoff basketball tomorrow and the next day. And we can look forward to giving you guys updates as, as much as we can. It's, it's like Kevin said, we definitely appreciate the support wherever we get it, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's through Anchor, or wherever you guys listen to our podcast, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, just stay tuned for the NBA next week. It's pretty much what we're going to dive into pretty much every episode we talk about. So with that said, you guys, Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Later, everybody. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are and live in a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.